You are listening to the Phenom NBA Show on the Phenom Media Podcast Network. Powered by the most passionate young sports analysts in the game. If you're looking for creative, informative, and high-quality sports content, you've come to the right place. Phenom Media boasts a team of over 100 youth contributors from around the world, covering every sport on every media platform. Make sure to follow Phenom on TikTok, YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as all of the Phenom podcast channels for daily content. The link tree in the episode description includes a direct link to all of the aforementioned platforms, so click on that to access everything. If you enjoy the episode, make sure to subscribe and leave a positive review so more people can discover the podcast. Now, let's get to the show. Welcome to the Phenom NBA show. I am Trayvon Hastings. I am here with Ismail Sai. And today we are going to be taking a look at the Eastern Conference. After last week, we took an in-depth look at the Western Conference. So, Izzy, you can go ahead and get us started. Yeah, so we're going to talk about the Eastern Conference today. Obviously, a lot of surprises so far through about, like, the first two weeks of the NBA season. So we'll start with the Atlanta Hawks. The Atlanta Hawks are off to a 4-2 start. Um, I mean, they lost to the, to the Cavs last night. But other than that, they've looked really, really good. They beat Brooklyn one of the elite teams in the NBA. I mean, Kyrie and KD were playing, and the Hawks played a great game. So, Trayvon, what do you think the Hawks can do this season? Um, they've got an insane amount of depth on that team. Um, they have the ability to score a lot of points. We saw it against the Nets in both games, actually. I mean, they can score with anybody in the league. Every, anybody on their team can score and shoot the ball other than really like Clint Capella, but like other than him, they have a lot of offensive firepower. Obviously defensively, they, they're a lot better defensively with Clint Capella in there. And when they get Onyeka Okongwu back, who's the rookie that they drafted with the six pick, their defense is going to be even better then. So yeah. I think it'll be interesting to see how their defense progresses throughout the season, but for them to start the way that they have is good because that's going to help them down the road when it comes to solidifying playoff positioning. Obviously there's a play in this year, so it's not as important to get the eight seed, but still trying to lock themselves up for that eight seed is huge. And even the seventh seed, because yeah. I mean, we'll talk about Washington later, but Washington's gotten off to a really slow start. They actually won their first game without Russell Westbrook in the lineup which is ironic, ironic, actually. And Indiana, there should be – Toronto has also gotten off to a really, really poor start. So they're another team that I guess we should keep an eye on moving forward. But I think that comes down to Pascal Siakam being the – All-star we know he can be. The sole scoring option on that team. And it – it hurts them with him being a number one because it limits you offensively. But back to the Hawks, I'm really excited because I personally wanted them to not sign any veterans and just roll with the young lineup because I think the yeah. young lineup has a ton of potential. You could bring Kevin Herter, Cam Reddish off the bench, starting 
Young and Collins and Capella with Hunter and obviously they have Onyeka and Kungu as well. They have so much offensive talent that and so much depth with the veteran signings in Bogdanovich and Gallinari and Rondo even that they should really consider trying to package some of these guys because they could bring in a win-now player that would really elevate this team and help Trey Young because they they should package John Collins because I doubt they're going to re-sign him. Yeah, and about this. Doesn't, doesn't sound like they're going to re-sign him. Yeah. And he's the guy that can put up 20 and 10 on 50, 40, 80 shooting splits as a center, which is insane. And, in fact, the most efficient season a big ever had last season was by John Collins. If you can throw in, like, eight rebounds a game on top of those numbers. But he – packaging him with, like, Kevin Herter and somebody else, like, they can get a lot of value off of that. And it's something that I think they should consider doing. Yeah, so my thoughts on the Hawks, I, I'm a really huge fan of this team. I mean, I love their depth. I mean, obviously, you have Trey Young, an all-star point guard, one of the elite players in the league. You obviously still have John Collins, as you talked about, probably one of the most least talked about big men in the league. I mean, the dude averages 20 and 10, and, you know, I feel like no one really talks about it. I mean, easily an all-star, in my opinion. Um, you obviously have Cam Reddish and DeAndre Hunters, two really solid pieces. And then you have you have Danilo Gallinari off the bench, and you have Bogdan Bogdanovich, you know, two snipers, and Kevin Herter as well. So, I mean, this team has a ton of depth, and that could really help them come playoff time as well. Even though it's a young team, you still have some veteran presence that can, you know, help out the young talent in a way. And I really feel like the Hawks are a top four team in the East. I, I, I really, I really truly believe that. If they can keep playing the way that they're playing, I mean, you, they beat Brooklyn, and then they barely lost them the other time because they played them back two games in a row, I believe. But, um, yeah, so I really believe they can hang with, like, the elite teams in the East, like the Bucks, the Celtics, the Nets, the Sixers. You know, I, I really, I really truly believe that. And I think this team can definitely make a deep, deep playoff run. Um, yeah, I'm really – and Lloyd Pierce, obviously, great coach. I mean, he's going to have them ready to play every single night. I mean, even though last night they blew a 15-point lead to the, the Cleveland Cavaliers, I mean, that's not going to happen again for, for this team. Probably not. So I, I definitely think if they can mesh well together and they can find themselves, find their identity, and if that off and that offense is elite, like the way they've been playing, elite offense. I mean, you have shooters all over the place. You have you can you can go inside with Capella and Collins. You can shoot with Herder, Bogey, and Gallinari and Trey, of course. I mean that that I mean that offense. I mean I don't know how you can stop it. I don't think there's a team in the East with the defense that can stop that stop that high powered offense. It's just the, the thing is they need to find a defensive identity and they need to be able to stick with that. But yeah, I really like the Hawks as a top fourteen East this year. I don't I don't think a play in should be the issue for them. I think that they not only do they have to find a defensive identity, but they've got to find lineups that work because yeah. they have so many guys that can get minutes that there's only so many minutes that can go around. I mean, and they can go small and they can go big. So, I mean, that's – they have to decide. Exactly. Yeah. They could, they could go very big if they have to. They could go Trey, Bogey, Hunter, Collins. They could take Capella out. They could take Capella out and play Collins with Onyeka, who's – both of those guys can be perfect small ball centers in the NBA today. 
I think a good comparison for Onyek Kungwu it would be Tristan Thompson, but a better offensive player than Tristan Thompson, and he's mm-hmm. probably more athletic and versatile than Tristan Thompson defensively. Yeah, we've seen Tristan Thompson go out and guard guys like Steph Curry in the finals on pick and rolls. They're like the Cavs were okay with switching that because they believe in Tristan Thompson's ability to have enough lateral quickness to guard Steph on the perimeter and contest shots well. And in some of those finals, it actually worked really well, and others it didn't. It just the acquisition of Kevin Durant hurt them in that circumstance. But yeah. Onyeka is going to be a really interesting player for them when he's back and healthy. I don't know exactly when he's coming back. I, I'm assuming in the next month or two. I don't. He had surgery. I don't remember how long he's out, but yeah, he's going to be an interesting piece to incorporate because they also have Gallinari running the four. He's not really a three anymore like he was early in his career because he's – He's older. He's defensively. He's not. He's really not that good not defensively. Anymore, yeah. He has to guard fours. It's kind of like he, perfect example of Gallinari's defense would be like Tobias Harris. Tobias Harris is not gonna guard most threes anymore. He's gonna have to play the four, which, yeah. which is why Al Horford last season in Philadelphia didn't work because Harris can't play the three yeah, like exactly. that. So it they have some pieces. They've just got to find a way to make them all fit. And I think if they do that, they're a realistic ceiling for them would be the five or six seed, I think. Probably five, because I think there's a chance they can be better than Philadelphia, but I don't see them surpassing Boston, Milwaukee, Miami, or Brooklyn. At, like at, currently right now, yes, but as the season wanes on, no, just because I think those teams, veteran, they're veterans and the ownership that they have and the leadership and their ability to just, you know, have the experience of playing playoff basketball or trying to play playoff basketball when you're waning down on the season and you've got a certain amount of time left. I think that might hurt Atlanta down the stretch, but right now it's a great start for them. Great start. Yeah. So just my final thoughts here. I think if they can, they just need, I believe the a realistic ceiling for this team is the four seed. I, I really truly believe that. If they can find if they can keep this offense up and if they can find their defensive identity, even without Nyeka, because I mean they have an insane amount of depth as we've alluded to before. But um if they can really the, the key for this team is to find chemistry, you know, between the lineups and stuff like that because they have a lot of players. You know, you have a lot of players on the roster that can easily be started in the NBA in my opinion which I really think is what's going to help them because come playoff time, depth is important. You can't just have your starters play all 48 minutes. You're going to have to have your guys off the bench, you know, come in, you know, spell, score, defend, rebound, whatever. So I really think that's what's going to help them come playoff time. And, yes, maybe experience may be an issue. I mean, this this is a very young team, probably one of the youngest in the NBA. I mean, outside of Gallinari and probably a couple other guys on the roster – like Rondo, they, Rondo Capella, you know, I and mean, Rondo has championship experience, which is what's going to help Trey Young out, in my opinion. And then Capella as well, you know, with the Rockets, you know, what they did with the Warriors and whatever. But um, I think playoff time, this team is going to be firing on all cylinders, and anyone in the East should be scared of them, including Brooklyn, which is probably probably the best team in the East, realistically. So, yeah. So you want to move on, or you got any more thoughts, or? Uh, we can move on. I'd actually like to uh, talk about your Cleveland Cavaliers next. <laughs> Got off to a hot start. 
yeah. lost in the mix. I kind of made fun of you for that. Then they come back down 15. They beat the Hawks. Yeah. Yes, I believe yesterday. Yeah. Colin, Sex- Colin Sexton's averaging like 25, 26 a game right now, I believe. He's balling. Top three for most improved players so far. Agreed. I Obviously, there's some holes in his game still. As a, as a guard, I would expect more than three assists out of him, but Darius Garland's taken a lot of the playmaking this year, and he's kind of ran away with it. Garland's averaging six or seven assists right now, I think. Yeah. He's really well, he's averaging, I think, 17 a game. That's pretty good, considering he had a somewhat rough rookie season last year. Yeah. They're doing all of this. Without Kevin Love, he only played one game, and he left because of injury again. Andre Drummond, we we know about Andre Drummond. He's suspect defensively at times, but he's actually been solid offensively, defense. Offensively, yeah. yeah, offensively though, he is a bigger Tristan Thompson, and he's shooting threes now. I guess that's interesting. Yeah. Javale McGee off the bench. Javale McGee off the bench has been huge for this team. He's provided a massive spark for them offensively and defensively. I mean, other than the airballed three, he had the one game. I mean, he he there was a they played the Pistons and he went coast to coast and slammed. And I'm yeah. I don't know. He's got gold grill now. Like Javel McGee is interesting. He's yeah. a bigger, better J.R. Smith for the Cavs, like in comparison to J.R. Smith in general, but Larry Nance Jr. as well. Young, he's good. He's very versatile offensively and defensively, but they don't have Kevin Porter Jr. right now, and he's a guy I'm high on. Uh, I expect big things from him. They don't think he's mature right now, and they need him to be emotionally ready before he can come to the team. So he's he's just not there right now. So uh, you can go ahead and talk about your Cavs, but that was kind of just my take on him. I mean, look, I mean, this team has definitely surprised me in a lot of ways. I was not expecting Darius Garland. I mean, I had faith in him, but I wasn't expecting what I'm seeing right now. I mean, averaging 17, 18 games, you know, seven assists, I think. Um, you know, he just needs to develop consistency in the shot. But, I mean, he's definitely played well. Um, this team, you know, their offense seems to be better than what it was last year. Um, you know, because Sexton is obviously taking the leap as the number one option. Garland, you know, is chipping in, of course. And then you have Andre Drummond, Larry Nance Jr. I mean, this is a deep team in terms of, like, size, especially if Kevin Love is healthy, um, which, you know, is a big if. But this team, I feel like they, they their defense is what concerns me. They're, they Sometimes, you know, they look great on defense and then, like, for a stretch and then the next stretch, you know, the team goes on a 12-0 run, 14-0 run. I mean, the Hawks were doing that in the first quarter. I mean, it was just – it was a fifth, it was an 11-15 to 15 game and then with two minutes left in the, in the first quarter, it was 30-19. to 19. Like, that like that can't happen. Like, they need to be able to, to put together a consistent stretch of the basketball. But, I mean, they def- – in the second half, they definitely showed some improvement. They showed some heart. They showed some resolve. And uh, I was happy to see that, to be honest, because, I mean, I thought the game was over because usually in the past, the past, like, three seasons without LeBron, you know, if we're down, we're going to stay down and we're not going to get back up. But they were, but we were able to do that just because of the coaching of J.B. Bickerstaff, which I think was a great hire by Cleveland. And he's had this team ready to play every single night almost that he's been the coach dating back to like the six games last season before the shutdown, whatever. But 
yeah, I, I do like Cleveland's prospects this year. Optimistically, I maybe, maybe they exceed, but but realistically, I think we can make the play in. I, I, I think I think Cleveland can make the play in for sure. Um, yeah, and I was expecting this team to be better this year, and no one was really talking about it. But I, if they keep playing like this, I mean, watch out. Yeah, um, I, I pretty much agree with you. Isaac Okoro had a really good preseason. Yeah, really yeah that's another I, thing. I was high on right now. I was very high on him on my draft board because he's got some ability as a 3 and D player. He didn't, he didn't make a whole lot of threes at Auburn, but you yeah. could tell that the ability was there. And he might be the best defensive player in the entire draft. So moving forward, he's going to have a big role on the team. They've got a lot of pieces as well, kind of like the Hawks, in terms of they've got a nice mix of youth and veteran leadership as well. Eventually, I mean, Okoro, Okoro's kind of, uh, to me, taken over what Kevin Porter's supposed to be doing. Yeah, Kevin Porter could be a microwave off the bench, but if he's not going to be there, he's going to be someone – suspect to trade rumors down the road if he's still not back in a yeah, month. Kevin's going to need to find his role when he comes back. Because yeah, they only have so many minutes for so many guards. Yeah. I mean, Garland, you have Garland, Sexton, you got Sexland, okay? Mm-hmm. You've got Chetty Osman. He's a really, he's a solid wing player on both yeah. sides of the ball. The Coro as well. They've got, they've got some Lineup adjustments they'll have to make when Porter comes back because his playing style is a little—I don't want to say like Russell Westbrook's, but he—he's a score-first player and he looks to yeah. score, and yeah, he can—he can shoot the ball very well. He can shoot the ball very well. He's just gotta—he's just gotta work on, I guess, the mental game and off the court stuff because clearly the Cavs don't believe in him right now because that's why he's away from the team. I think they I think they can make the plan. I do think they can make the plan. I think that's realistic. Yeah, realistic. Right, yeah. Right now, right now they could very easily squeak in that 9 or 10 with the way Washington's looked. But yeah. they do have to pay attention to Orlando because Orlando got off to a really good start too. Yeah. Orlando's someone I've the Orlando's always a team I've respected because people don't talk about Nikola Vucevic. People don't talk about Terrence Ross, Steve Clip. They've got Markel Fultz has looked great. I don't, I don't think enough people are talking about that. Cole Anthony the other day shot five for eighteen, but he had sixteen points. If he cleans up, if he cleans up the efficiency that he did not have at North Carolina, and he starts to become an efficient player, the team's gonna be really good. Cole Anthony with Markel Fultz is a nasty backcourt duo. To me, on both sides of the ball, that obviously the shooting of that duo is extremely suspect. But Orlando's always been a top, top half of the league defensive team. Yeah, and when you've got someone like when you've got someone that's all star caliber like Nikola Busevic to basically carry the load offensively, they're going to be in every game. They're going to be yeah. in most of their games. They don't win a lot of them. They don't win most of them, but they're going to be able to be in that play-in at the end of the season, like they always are, because they've got a really solid co- – they've got an underrated coaching staff, an yeah. underrated roster that they've built, because Aaron Gordon's an extremely versatile player, oh, yeah. real, mostly defensively. 
mm-hmm. offensively, he's still got holes in his game, but and he just needs to work. Orlando's gotten off to a great start without even having Jonathan Isaac, who to me is their second or third best player. And when he comes back, I mean, their defense elevates tremendously with Isaac out there. His per 36 numbers last year, I mean, the guy averages, the guy averages like two steals and three blocks. Like he's insane defensively. People don't talk about him. And you mentioned people not talking about John Collins. People don't talk about John Collins or Jonathan Isaac. And they didn't talk about Christian Wood until they get on these highly marked, these large markets, yeah, exactly. really good contending teams. And it, it, it stinks for those guys because Christian Wood last year, the last, I think, 30 games, he, he averaged he averaged like 21 and 10 on per 36 minutes. He just didn't play a lot of minutes. But I believe yet that, last, guy, yesterday, that guy is an all-star player. Yeah, I believe yesterday he had like 25 points, 14 rebounds. I mean, he's been absolutely insane for Houston. But just to right talk now, around, yeah. Yeah, right just, now he's averaging like I'd have to go back. And I think I think he's averaging twenty four nine. He's averaging over. A, I think he's averaging a steal and he's averaging over a block a game. Christian mm-hmm. Wood and his shooting. His shooting is he really good. He Christian Wood and John good. Collins. Christian Wood and John Collins are the exact same player. If you swap them on teams, the Hawks would probably be a little bit better because I think Christian Wood's defense is better. And his shooting is probably slightly better than John Collins, but they're identical players. Yeah, they no are. one talks about John Collins because he's on he's in Atlanta. That that's just what it comes down to. <laughs> yeah, it's just just to touch on Orlando though, and quickly, they always find a way to make the playoffs. Like no one talks about them, but they always find a way to be the seventh or eighth seed. I mean, that I think that's just due to coaching. I mean, Steve Clifford's obviously done a phenomenal job. He's obviously doing something right. Um, you know, Vucevic, of course, probably one of the most underrated centers in the league. When you talk about the centers, you talk about, you know, Cat, Gobert, Bam, Embiid, Jokic, of course, but you never talk about Vucevic, who is, was an all-star center. And, um, you know, obviously you still have Aaron Gordon. I mean, he's more, he's better than what he's been in the dunk contest. He's more than that. He's a really good NBA player. And then I feel like People don't talk about Markel Fultz enough because I feel like they just – when you talk about Markel Fultz, people just instantly think what happened in Philly. This dude has been playing great basketball, I mean, for the last season and a half. I mean, counting the shutdown, of course, he's been playing well. He got an extension. He earned yeah, he that. he got an extension. He got paid. Yeah, he Orlando earned that. Season yeah, he earned that. I mean, the dude's been working hard. And, and then, you know, when people think about that draft class, they think, about, oh, Philly should have taken Tatum, you know, and then all that stuff. But I mean, and obviously didn't work out. But he, he mean, he's still he's in Orlando. He's had a resurrection almost of his career. I mean, he's he's saved his career. He's been playing well. You know, his shots look better. It, he is, obviously still has a ways to go. But his playmaking is there. You can see the athletic ability. You can see the slashing. You can see the craftiness in this game. So Markel Fultz is going to be good for this team for years to come. And you know, people just I feel like people just don't give him enough credit when they talk about him. So. Yeah, but just final thoughts on Cleveland here. Yeah, they can definitely make the play in just because of how the East is shaping up in the, like, 7 to 10 range. Um, you know, obviously Washington, which we'll get into next, um, they, haven't been, they haven't looked good. I mean, I sh- and maybe Charlotte's going to be in the mix, and they, you don't know what you're going to get with them. I mean, you have Lamelo, but you don't, you don't know what you're going to get with Charlotte. But Detroit's yeah. 2 and 3 right now, which is kind of surprising, but 
if Jeremy Grant continues to average 27 a game, the Pistons will be in that discussion as well. Yeah. I mean, we, I mean, Jeremy Grant wanted to go to Detroit for a reason, more offensive, a, more, a bigger offensive role than what he was going to get in Denver. So, and he's proven that he's deserved it. And I feel like that's, a, that was a big loss for Denver and they're probably going to regret it, but you know, it is what it is. So any final thoughts before we move on? No, we can go ahead and head to the Washington Wizards, which are one and five after a, we'll say, dominating 21-point win over the Minnesota Timberwolves. Without cat. With no, with no cat. They won 130-109. Bradley Beal, 31 points, 12-20 shooting. I believe he shot two for five from three. Continued efficiency out of Bradley Beal. He's one of my favorite players in the league, and he's been the last three seasons because oh, yeah. people, people have overlooked Bradley Beal. They don't talk about Bradley Beal. He wasn't even an all-star last year, and he averaged over 30 a game. Which is which unbelievable. Is, that's blasphemous. I'm going Stephen A. Smith. Yeah, just because he's that in should, Washington. That should no. never happen. It's, that's exactly why. He was on a losing team. He didn't even get all-NBA. And we had this discussion – last year in Phenom Media and our own Zenith Hoops group about this, but he he, he was on my All-NBA team. Yeah, he was on mine as second well. Third. He was on my second. I'm not sure, though, but he was definitely on one of my teams. He was on my second or third. I, I would, felt strongly that he deserved that, and he didn't get it. Instead, Ben Simmons or somebody else got it, and I was yeah, very heated. Yeah, that was questionable. Very heated. Bradley Beal carried that team into almost qualifying for the bubble. They were they had one they were one game short of having the same record as Charlotte, who was the last team to qualify for the bubble. So if had Washington had that record, they may have been in the bubble. But he carried that team to a abysmal twenty three twenty three wins last year. If they didn't have Bradley Beal, they may have won four games. Their defense is awful. Which is why they're so. They can't stop. That's why they're one of the five. I mean, it's unbelievable. They they can't they can't guard anybody. I love Thomas Bryant and Rihachimura, but those guys cannot protect the rim. They're rebounding bigs that can shoot the ball, and they're offensive. They're offensively dominant player. Like that's what their game yeah, is suited to is their defense. offense I and mean, the versatility I can't there. And name one defensive stopper. I mean, I don't know if you can, but I I just can't. I, I can look if at I, okay. If I had to pick one, I would tell you Troy Brown is probably their best defensive player. Which it's not very good. <laughs> it's not a great starting point. Yeah. It, it's not a great starting point. But Troy Brown Jr., speaking of, I think he's got a little bit of Michael Bridges in him, who's on the Suns. He's averaging 14 a game right now. Troy he's Brown Jr.'s got a little bit of that in him. Yeah. He just – he doesn't have the shot making that Michael Bridges does or as much versatility. But a big reason why Washington struggled is because Davis Bertans, who got that big, big payday for making yeah. all those threes last year on wild volume. I mean, he would attempt eight or nine threes a game. And make like he's wild. doing that right now, but he's not, he's not making anything. I think he's had three, he's had two or three games where he's shot in under 30% from three maybe even under 20% from three. His shot, when his shot's not falling, the Wizards' offense will struggle because those are ultimately wasted offensive possessions. And with Russell Westbrook in there, 
they every game he had a triple double they lost every he became the first player in NBA history to have a triple double and in like his last six games that they had that he had a triple double his team lost that's never happened before it's not like his efficiency was ins- like insanely bad I actually think Russell Westbrook's efficiency was decent it's better than what yeah. it's been Obviously, I don't. I don't think he needs to take twenty shots a game. Yeah. But he's not. He's not taking three pointers. He wasn't in the lineup. They won. I, the team has to build around Bradley Beal, and I think it has. But it's built around him offensively, and they have literally no defense. A guy like Clint Capella would have been good for this team because that at least provides you some some rim protection. Just some rim protection but they don't have any rim protection and they barely have any rebounding. I'm pretty sure Russell Westbrook's their leading rebounder right now because Thomas Bryant, Thomas Bryant only gets you seven, eight rebounds a game. He's six or seven. Yeah. I mean, look, this Wizards, I mean, I thought they would be in the mix for the play in. uh, And I still think they are, but right now they look horrible. I mean, there's just there's just no other way around it. They can't stop anybody. The offense at times looks horrible. I mean, they're just not helping Bradley Beal out enough. I mean, poor guy. I mean, still hasn't requested a trade, which is I'm very surprised by. But anyway, I mean, going back to what I was saying earlier, I, I besides Troy Brown, I mean, this is not a knock on Troy Brown. He's a he's a good NBA player. He's a good defender. But I'm sorry. I don't want him as my best defender on the team, which says something about the Wizards. This this team, their offense can be great or they can be horrible. Their defense is just is just really bad. So, like you said, a guy like Clint Capella would be perfect for them. Honestly, if you want rebounding and I mean decent defense, maybe go after John Collins. I don't know. Um, you know, they sh- maybe they should assign Christian Wood. Would have been great for them instead of putting all that money on Davis Bertons. I mean, that they, they could have signed, they could have used that money to sign Wood. Um, I mean, look, I, I just, I'm not a fan of the Wizards right now. I, I thought they would be better than what they were. Um, they lost to the Bulls, which is projected to be one of the worst teams in the NBA. And I mean, just, they just can't stop anybody. And you can't be a good team if you can't play defense. And I mean, they just, I think, I think in their first, four or five games, I think teams have scored over 120. I'm not sure. I probably have to check that. But that's unacceptable. And then, you know, Scott, I mean, Scott Brooks has failed to make adjustments. And if they can't turn it around soon, I mean, I, I know they won last night, which which makes them one in five. Still not a good record. So if they can't turn it around within the next two weeks or so, I mean, they could, Scott Brooks could be out the door. And I, they probably going to have to bring in a coach that can actually knows how to play and play defense and how to implement a defensive scheme. And then the GM is probably going to have to bring in some defensive players as well. So, I mean, again, they're failing to help Bradley Beal out. And I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I'm just not a fan of the Wizards right now. They, they need to be better. They do. I will say bringing in Russell Westbrook and Denny Advia, who they drafted, who yeah, I think will be the best player. Pick. He just needs to develop. He he did, they, they have moving parts. And it takes time. I will say, I think that I think that guy will be the best player out of this draft class, as long as James Wiseman doesn't have like have continued performances like he had the first couple games of the season. And Lamelo started to look really good, 
Anthony Edwards has looked really good. But I think Denny Advia will be the best player from this draft class. I even like Tyrese Halliburton a lot because Halliburton's got a ton of ability, ton of versatility, 6'5 guard. They bring off the bench behind De'Aaron Fox in Sacramento. Underrated. A lot of people don't know him. He only played four or five games at Iowa State because he got hurt. But yeah. Denny is a legit player to me. Defensively, he is suspect, but his playmaking ability and hopefully continued improvement in shooting is going to be huge for this team. They have, uh, I they've got pieces. They've got a lot of pieces. They just agreed. They're not work. They're not fitting. They're not. They're not coexisting right now, and they've got to find a way. Because if they can't, they got to fire Scott Brooks. They yeah, have to. I mean, this is unacceptable. It's been it's been two or three years now with him, where the team to me has just vastly underachieved. And I know the Wizards weren't good last year, but. Yeah. The Wizards on paper were better than 23 wins, 23 or 24 wins last year. Yeah. They were. They're a 30 – they should at least be a 34-win team, which that puts you in somewhat con, – somewhat continuing – That's in the 8-9 conversation in the East. That's in the 8 or 9 conversation in the Eastern Conference. That's why Orlando makes the playoffs every year because they can get in with 36 wins because they, they, they grind out games. They've built a culture in Orlando, and they've actually found players to buy into that culture. Washington hasn't really formed a culture yet. That's that's the difference between Orlando and Washington to me, and those are two teams that, to me, are very similar, but not similar because of – The coaching the is way better in Orlando and the defense. Oh, for sure. Yeah, They need a defensive-minded head coach, but the problem is – the defensive mind, the defensive minded head coaches are in Orlando. They're with the Knicks and Tom Thibodeau. Yeah. And other than that, I can't really name a off the top of my head defensive minded head coach in the NBA. There aren't very many of them. I mean, the Wizards. Frank Vogel, he's another one. But yeah, Frank Vogel, they got they. I mean, there are a lot of yeah. I mean, there there will be candidates for that job, but. The Wizards just they the defense just needs to be better. I mean, they they need to make moves. They need to make a trade somehow. Uh, they could have been smarter in free agency, in my opinion. I mean, obviously, Denny Abia, that's a great pick for them. I I don't know how he fell to nine in my. I mean, that was just absurd to me. But he's definitely going to be a great player coming out of that draft class. I don't know if he'll be the best to me personally. I think that's going to be Wiseman. I think he'll be the best player in that draft. Um, and then Denny for, is probably two or three, though, for me. You, I can easily see him being the best. I just think Wiseman is better. But, yeah, that was definitely a good get by the Wizards. Probably one of the only things they've done right, to be honest. They just – look, I mean, it's six games. You know what your problem is. Make moves. You want to make the playoffs, you're going to have to figure it out. They, To me, Scott Brooks is on the hot seat. He has two weeks – two to three weeks to figure it out. Or actually, no, just give them the month of January to figure it out. And if they can't figure it out, then they're going to have to fire him and make defensive moves. I mean, because this is this is just unacceptable. You can't be allowing 120 points every, every time you step before. Like, that, like, that's just bad. The best thing that this franchise could have done would have been trading Bradley Beal after John Wall got hurt. Yeah. Because you weren't going to have John Wall for two seasons – and then that would allow you to just rebuild and 
pretty much lose every single game unintentionally, of course. And then you just stockpile draft picks, kind of not like the, the way the Thunder did, but if they tried to trade Bradley Beal right now, they would get a ton back for Bradley Beal, in my opinion. He like is one of the most. He's one of the most coveted tar- He's one of the most coveted players in the league right now. Miami would have interest in him. Brooklyn may have interest in him, and Brooklyn could offer them a pretty solid deal. What, yeah. I know Dinwiddie tore his ACL, and he's going to be a free agent, but you could still offer Karis LeVert and Jared Allen. With Jared Allen would provide them some room protection. Yeah. Bradley, Bradley Beal in Philadelphia would be nasty. Obviously, I think Simmons is better than Bradley Beal, so Philadelphia may shy away from that one, but it's something they should try to do. Bradley Beal maybe uh, can't do that. I was thinking Bradley Beal to Houston, but they have Russell Westbrook, so we're not going to do Harden Westbrook 2.0. <laughs> Other than that, it would be a it'd be a good destination. I mean, there are a lot of teams he could fit on. He I mean, fit, he's he's a guy that can fit to me in most any system for the way yeah. that he plays. Yeah, for me, the, the Warriors, the Warriors right now, since Kelly Oubre and Andrew Wiggins can't hit a shot into the ocean. They should package those two and trade them for Bradley – or try to trade them for Bradley Beal. I think that would be a smart thing to do, but they're not going to do that, which is whatever. It's not a big deal. They think Andrew Wiggins and they, – they, they think those two are the second coming of, like, James Worthy and Michael Cooper, and they're the second coming of Brian Scalabrini and Adam Morse, and they don't they, – they're not good. They're not doing anything. Kelly Oubre has hit, like, two, two or three threes – and any any other shot he made this year has been dunks. He he literally has no jump shot. He's worse than Jimmy Butler right now. He's worse than Draymond Green right now. Oh my god. Worse than Jimmy Butler right now. He can't oh, shoot. Shaq could shoot better than him from three years. Okay. It's bad. It's bad. You're just laying into Kelly Oubre, huh? I am. <laughs> with him, by the way. I expected I expected more out of Kelly Oubre. He's looked atrocious. I mean, I could I could play on the Warriors better than Kelly Oubre right now. <laughs> I could at least hit an open three. Kelly Oubre yeah, can't. Your highlights. <laughs> you can definitely you can definitely hit an open three. Yeah. I, yes. Definitely hit an open three. Oh my gosh. But yeah, just going back to the Wizards. I mean, actually, actually no. I think we're done with the Wizards here. But look, bottom line for this team, they're gonna need to figure it out soon. Otherwise, everybody's out of there. And then quickly on Oubre. I'm rooting for you, man. I hope I hope you can hit a shot soon. And, I mean, I know you hit your first three, but you're like two of like what, thirty-one on threes or whatever. Two of thirty-five or something. Like that. That is horrible. I mean, our buddy Trayvon here can do better than that. So come on, man. We got to turn it around. But I, get it going, Kelly Oubre, because I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna tear into you if you don't if you don't turn it around. Yeah. You but, too, and you too, Andrew Wiggins. I, I don't care if you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but me personally, though, going back to Beal, honestly, I really think the Bucks should trade for him instead of Drew Holiday. But, I mean, Drew Holiday is the better defender, but I feel like an offense with Beal and Giannis and Middleton is unstoppable. I oh, mean, that would be a, that would be an unstoppable. Yeah, that, that, that would I, to me, they would be better than Brooklyn. But, I mean, look, Drew Holiday is a great player in his own right, but Beal, to me at least, I don't know about you, is better than Drew Holiday. Um, a, team, a team that should have hopped in on this Beal stuff before they traded Drew Holiday was the Pelicans. Oh, yeah. The Pelicans could have offered Drew Holiday for Bradley Beal, and I think that's a fair – they could have threw in some stuff. Yeah. That's fair. I mean, 
Beal, Zion, Ingram. Well, oh, that's that's a great core right there. Those are three guys that can score without the ball in their hands. So you still have your playmakers in like Lonzo. Obviously, Bledsoe wouldn't be there in this hypothetical trade, but Stephen Adams. That lineup is a guaranteed playoff team with yeah. Bradley Beal and Brandon Ingram. And we don't even have to talk about Zion. The other two, Ingram and Beal on the wing, is unstoppable. Yeah, I mean, we we know what Ingram and Zion can do, but yeah, Beal. Definitely, if the Wizards can't turn it around, they definitely have to trade him because then that means it's rebuild time. If they start like five and like fifteen or whatever, it's gonna be. They've they've been in a rebuild for years since, basically since Paul Pierce hit that buzzer beater, but <laughs> they fail to recognize they are I, wasting. I don't even really. They are wasting that. Bradley Beal's prime. They're wasting it. They have to get rid of him. Yeah, they have to. Have to. His value is at its peak right now, and they they're just gonna have to they're just gonna have to pull the plug soon if they if they can't turn it around because you know again even with all these teams it's only been six games, we which is a very small sample size. I don't even, we're not even a month into the season, so I mean, the Wizards can definitely turn it around, but they're gonna have to do it soon because one in five is, is unacceptable. So yeah, any any final thoughts before we wrap up this sh- third episode? No, I think we hit it. We yeah. hit it all except. Kelly Oubre didn't hit a three, but it's fine. It's fine. It's all good. We believe in you, Kelly Oubre, but you're on a short leash because I will play Juan Toscano Anderson over you if you don't no. start hitting me. Oh, so, hit a three. Oh, my gosh. Okay, on that note, thank you for listening to our third episode of the Phenom NBA show. He's Trayvon Hastings. I'm Ismail Sai. Have a great rest of your Sunday, everybody. A lot of sports to watch, so peace. Peace.